Welcome back to another episode of the B2B Founder Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Trainer. I'm really excited to have Diane Helbig join the podcast today. She's the host of the extremely popular Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast. She and her podcast were one of the inspirations for me starting the B2B Founder Podcast, so it's a real thrill to have her on the program today. In addition to the podcast, she's also a growth advisor to small businesses and the author of the recently published Succeed Without Selling. The more you think about selling, the less you will sell. Basically, the old ways of sales just don't work anymore. We discuss why and how sales and marketing organizations need to modernize, and again, why the old tactics and tricks are no longer effective. It's a very timely book and a conversation for B2B founders and the sales and marketing teams, especially in the post-pandemic world. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do subscribe. Thank you, and now, on to the interview. Hi, Diane. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Brett. Great to be here. I know it's definitely my pleasure and it's such a thrill. I know we were talking offline a little bit, but as I told you, you were one of the inspirations for me starting the podcast and you know, one of the first ones I, I stumbled across in the early days, not as early as you had started, but <laughs> in my podcasting journey. So thank you, one, for joining the program and two, thanks you know, for the inspiration. So, Oh, Hey, listen, I am thrilled that that is the goal. So thank you. It's so nice to hear that it's working. Yeah, still in the top three in my go-to playlist. So (laughs) keep up what you're doing. I will. And so maybe to kick us off today, why don't you give the audience a little bit of background of what you're working on and who you work with, and then then we'll, we'll dig into it. Well, great. And thank you for that. So I typically work with small business owners in all industries and pretty much all sizes from like 300 employees and down. I really like to work with leadership of an organization because that's where change happens. And we work on whatever they're struggling with, except I don't help them write business plans for funding because it's just not my strength. I'll read them, but, but I won't help them create them. Having said that, we work a lot on strategy. So, you know, whatever it is that isn't working, we try and figure out why it's not working and then strategies that are very specific to them so they will actually implement them. Like, you know, that, that's my big, I'm not going to give them my strategy because that's mine. It works for me. We got to figure out what's going on with them. Yeah, so. And that makes a lot of sense. And I had come from a bit in the, you know, management consulting world and, you know, a lot of your strategy docs end up on a shelf and they'll pull it out and dust it off. And so I appreciate the, the, the implementation or the execution aspect of yeah. a strategy. And then is that yeah. something, is that the area you've always been in? Cause a lot of the consultants I'll talk to focus in one area. And so I'm really was intrigued by the, the overall strategy, which I think is important and lacking in a lot of cases. I do too. I, I think, they, they do strategic planning, which is really not planning. It's not action planning. It's, hey, here's who we want to be and here's where we want to go, which is great. And you need that sort of vision. And then we have to create the steps that are actually going to get you there. And I think that's the thing that a lot of folks miss, which is part of the reason why their strategic plan sits on a shelf and, and they don't do anything with it. The other reason is because it's fitting someone else's mold. So it doesn't make sense to them. And, but I come from a history of working in small business my entire career. I was in leadership first, 
supervisor, manager, director of operations, you know, just got the opportunity to experience it all. And then I went into sales and I was in sales for two different companies, one that sold a service, one that sold a product. Both of them we sold to businesses, so we were B2B. And so I got to watch what works and what doesn't work. And I got to watch my father. My father was a salesman when I was growing up. He was really good. And I got to watch him and how he engaged with people and, and what went on. And I just took all of that information and started my business uh, just almost 15 years ago because that's really what I wanted to do. I wanted to help small business owners make decisions that made sense for them so they didn't go through the struggles that I was watching. Yeah, no, and that, that makes so much sense. And I'm curious too, from you know having 300 plus podcasts with you know subject matter experts and across mm -hmm. the board, you know, uh, is that influenced a little bit of, of how you think with the strategy? Have you been able to incorporate some of the stuff from them? Just curious. Definitely. So, so a lot of times people say to me, so what podcast do you listen to? And my response is mine. Because <laughs> when I'm in the middle of doing it, I learn so much from these folks. So, so it's like the bonus that I get to learn. And yes, I, I have absolutely... I will hear myself quoting people who I have interviewed when I'm working with a client because it makes so much sense what they've said and it fits the situations. So absolutely. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of hard for something. And again, there's not that many podcasters, but starting this, when I started the podcast brought, you know, founders and then transition subject matter experts and, and authors. Yeah. And what I found was early on kind of fighting the, urge to say, no, that's not the way you do it. But now I've accepted that, man, there's a lot of different points of view. It all kind of fits into the general theme or strategy, but yeah. yet there's different tactics and things that work for different people. So I've really started to embrace, you know, the teachings, if you will, of, of different things. Yeah. Cause you never know what you're going to learn. Right? right. And if we get so narrow, so, so tunnel vision that we think our way is the only way, boy, you know, the world is changing fast and we miss a lot of ideas and strategies and tools and resources that we, you know, we, we could use. Exactly. You know, a good example I had, you know, talk about growth and I actually had guest Anthony who was, who started his own LinkedIn agency, paid LinkedIn ads is what they hundred percent focus on. And it's doing really well, but I mean, that's a very specific tactic for a business, but yeah. you know, two years ago, probably nobody was even thinking of that. Now it's starting to grow. So I'm with you Get more smart yeah. people around me. Yeah. Right. Free <laughs> you know, education as they come on the program point in case exactly. with you here today. So yeah, the real reason, I mean, we could go a hundred different directions, but I think, you know, with your recent book that came out and you know, you got me with the title succeed, succeed about selling. You know, that's kind of my approach. I said selling finally caught up to me because I was never the super aggressive, you know, buy now, buy now, buy now type of an approach. And, you know, so I think that that's finally changing. So I'd love to get into, and I should give you the title succeed without selling. The more you think about selling, the less you will sell, which I love that. And I think this is book number three for you, right? It is. Every five years, you're on a... <laughs> you know, I drain my brain and then things slowly creep back in. It's so all quality, right? Quality over, <laughs> over quantity. So yes. 
right. So before we get into some of the specifics, you know, why, why did you write this book? I'm guessing it was pre-pandemic, but I think a oh, lot of the yeah. lessons learned in there were even more applicable than maybe they were when you started writing it. Well, and thank you for that. You're absolutely right. And that's why we, we moved up the launch of the Kindle to May because it wasn't supposed to be till September. But when COVID hit, we were thinking, you know, this just has to get in front of people. My goal for writing the book was and is that so many people are using tactics that don't work when they are selling and they are wondering why they're not getting the results that they want. And it's frustrating everybody. It frustrates the people salespeople deal with. It frustrates sales managers. It frustrates small business owners. It frustrates vendors and you name it. Nobody likes it. And yet they keep doing these things. And I just thought, you know what? I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to lay it on the line. We have to change our mindset. We have to stop thinking about selling because it puts us in the wrong frame of mind. And the more salespeople and small business owners who I can, and sales managers who I can impact and get them just to shift their thinking, then it will be a success, you know, in, in my book. Yeah, no. And what I really appreciated about the book is it's, it's actionable and yeah. it's kind of targeted in different areas. So it's not like you're saying, Hey, theoretically go do this. I mean, here's examples, how to do this. Here's some tools, how you do it. I also loved a lot of the quotes that you had before this, the sections and I actually marked a few of these. And so one, the selling should be about discovery, connection and problem solving, right? Is that, that's obviously changed since the, the golden days of right, B2B sales. But yeah, yeah, I'd love for you to unpack that just a little bit. Sure. So what I realized is we grew up with this idea that everyone was a potential client and that we had to be selling all the time, right? Always be closing. Glen Gary, Glenn Ross, you know, this yep. great movie, right? That everybody knows in the elevator pitch, you have to be able to sell to somebody in the time that you're going to spend with them in an elevator. Seriously, who sells to someone in an elevator? People don't even like talking to each other in elevators. It, right. it's, it blows my mind. But we grew up with this belief that if we were really eloquent and really convincing, that people were going to want what we have to sell. And the truth is, People hate that behavior, number one. Number two, we end up in really bad relationships with clients when we do that because we're not doing discovery. We're not learning enough about them. We sort of walk in with this attitude like, oh, I already know what you need. I already know how to take care of you. Let me just tell you about it. You're going to love it. It's really gross. And, and no one likes it. The salesperson doesn't like doing it. The person who's on the other end of it doesn't like it. So when we are in discovery mode, we aren't thinking about ourselves. We aren't thinking about selling anything. We are totally present and we get to hear everything that is said, that isn't said. You know, we get to really participate in the conversation. And what I think a lot of salespeople and small business owners don't realize is we're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing us. And we get to say, I don't want to go down this road. But we can only do that if we are in discovery. If we are really, I'm you know, going on an expedition. I got to learn. I don't know whether I can work with this person or not. You know, when I used to sell, 
I used to say to people, I don't know whether you need what I have to sell or not, but is it worth a conversation to find out? I'll tell you. Yeah. Right? So they knew I was going to be honest with them. It takes all the sales out of the conversation, and we can actually have a discussion, a dialogue, instead of a monologue, you know, a presentation. Right. 30, 30 minutes of the salesperson <laughs> just talking and not even listening to what the, the prospect has, right? And the prospect's not listening. No. Because <laughs> it doesn't matter to them, right? Right. They're not paying any attention because you're not talking about what they need because you haven't found out yet. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I think why it used to work, because the sales rep used to be the only source of information for prospects. And so they had to rely on features and benefits and pricing. And But now, I think you even caught in your book that it's all online, right? If your business is doing it the right way, they can find all that research ahead of time. So it's really, is it a good fit with, you know, their problem? And I I think the other area that you, you called out too, which I was a big fan of is, you know, the value aspect of it, right? It's don't be afraid. It's okay to have a conversation with a customer if you're providing value because they need it. And right. I don't think, I think that's lost a lot of times on, on folks. And, you know, it's not a, don't think of it as sales. It's providing a service that they need. And here's the price that it costs for that service. So. Right. Right. It's just a conversation and we need to have that information. That's the other thing. You know, we do this weird thing in sales where we ask the question, they don't answer it, and we still provide them with a quote. And then we wonder, right, why they say, oh, no, or they ghost us, and we can't get a hold of them. So many salespeople sit there and go, I don't understand what happened. We had a great conversation. Did you? Opportunity and checklist in the CRM and say, hey, this right. one's real. <laughs> exactly. It was great. Okay, I don't know what your definition is, but we might need to talk about that. Yeah, and curious to get your perspective on this too, because the other thing I, I kind of advocate is looking at, hey, if you're going to have a conversation, like you said, customer, we may not be a fit, but you know what? They may be a fit later. So as long as you're creating the brand awareness or setting a good right. example, but there are so many small yeah. businesses, large businesses, that all their sales organization does, oh, you're not a fit, click, 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 click. You're closing a universe to future, right? sales oh my gosh and this is the other thing about that i'm so glad that you brought that up the other thing is that that when we are looking at every single person or opportunity as you're either a fit or you're not we miss out on so many relationships that help us take our business further as we go along because we are so so tunnel vision that that we miss other people, right? You, you go to a networking event and everyone's doing the shark thing, you know, dinner, <laughs> dinner, dinner. I'm sure it's here. They miss referral partners. They miss colleagues. They miss people to mastermind with and ideate with. And those potential prospects who may not be a fit right now, they will refer you to other people who are if you treat them with this sort of respect. And down the road, they might need you. And that's also a COVID thing, you know, because people who didn't do business with you before, there was a reason. That reason might not exist anymore. So if you, right, if you had a a good interaction with them and you built that relationship, even to a little degree, you can go back and revisit that. Because you had a good exchange. You weren't doing one and done. The nope, 
gotta go. Yeah, and that could be either digitally or right if you're having a, an actual per, in-person conversation, right? I yeah. think that the yeah. companies that right. still use SDRs and BDRs. Yeah. There's other probably better ways and more effective ways, but if you're going to do it, at least the outreach has to be a good positive experience. So you know you're building future, and I think we're so short-sighted, especially when it's the startup world. Sometimes they said, "Hey, not a fit. I'm moving on." But which is a good segue into the next topic I wanted to talk to you about was a lot of the founders I've talked to that successfully scaled their business, and we can define success a hundred different ways. But the way I looked at it, there was were two stats. You know, the less than five percent of startups ever get to a million, and less than one percent ever get to ten million, and kind of arbitrary. But I'm, I started to try to dig in and why why that number, and then I started interviewing founders that actually scaled beyond those two thresholds. And to a person, they talk about well. What had happened is, you know, I ran out of my network, right? So if I'm a 25-year industry vet, I know people up and down, you know, the thing, I was able to sell them, right? They knew me, they had a problem, I could fix it. It's when I had to reach outside of my network that things stalled. And, you know, frankly, the ones that didn't grow never figured it out. And the ones that did, it yeah. took them 12 to 18 months to figure out how do I reach new people, and that's why I, I like that section in your book where you talk about, tar one, the target market, but two, this exact thing we're talking about now, hey, it may not be a fit, but you're building that bridge for, for future business, right? Yeah, you're building a community around your business and we all need a community around our business. And that community includes clients, prospects, colleagues, resources, because if you think about it, the more valuable I am to the people I engage with, the more they're A, gonna keep me around, and B, think of me when someone says, ooh, this is what I need, because I was there for them, I was interested in them. And there's so many people out there doing incredible work, and if we know who they are, and we can honestly refer them to someone who's having a problem, We've, we're helping everybody. And, right. and then that's the community that is around our business. They will help us. We will help them. It takes a village. Yeah, no, I think it goes back to value, right? <laughs> value keeps yeah, coming up right. in this, the, the conversation. Right. And the, the other thing, I think it tied back to, you, you had mentioned earlier, always be closing. You change that phrase to always be curious. Yeah. Is that, again, asking the questions and listening? Is that where you were going? Okay. Yeah, it's no matter who you're engaging with, no matter where you are, if you are curious, instead of selling, right, instead of in sales mode, instead of trying to close, then you are always open to building those relationships, to opportunities, to helping people, to learning, honestly, about who might be a good fit and who might not. You're building those relationships with people, because the other thing founders do, a lot of founders do, is they'll take any business right. because they need the revenue, right? The shiny it's object. It's not revenue, it's profit that you need, not revenue. So we have to really have an honest conversation with ourselves about the business that we are taking on. And I think we do it because we're not doing discovery, because we're not curious. We're yeah, and it seems, and that should be frankly the easy part, right? If you can listen <laughs> and you're asking the right questions and I think the other quote you had in the book, prospecting is about getting a meeting. It isn't about making a sale, right? It's, yes. 
had heard somebody use, and I'll butcher the analogy, but you know, like marketing, meeting a new prospect, you know, marketing or whoever is owning the digital, it's like setting a coffee date. Hand it over to sales, and sales wants to get married on that coffee. <laughs> disconnect. Right. So right. I'm That's sure you exactly. see this in a lot of the business. How it's still an, a big problem for many, 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 many companies. So how yeah. how do you advise your clients to address this? Are you is the approach now changing based on where we are with digital? And I'm, I'm really interested in your perspective on this. Well, yeah. So so interestingly, what a lot of people will say to me is, well, when I grew my business by interacting with people face to face. And I don't have that now. And my response is, yes, you do. Cause we have video conferencing and we have, you know, zoom and Skype and Google hangouts and you name it. So let's get past that. You can absolutely, and you want that. You want to be having that face because people buy from people, right. not companies. So we have to, want to have that sort of engagement with people so we can read their body language so that we can see them smiling, you know, whatever it is, it actually expands people, a lot of people's opportunities. So people who sell something that doesn't have to be local, now they have opportunities to be selling globally. So it opens up a lot more real estate for an awful lot of people. So that, like, that's what we talk about. Okay. How can we create that strategy so that you can still be engaging with people? So you can still be having those conversations. And Brett, I'll tell you something. When I say to people, listen, you're not going for the sale. You're just going for the meeting. You just want to have a conversation. The weight that comes off their shoulders oh, interesting. because they don't have to be on is remarkable. Most small business owners, most people go into business for themselves, most founders, weren't salespeople before. They just have something they're really good at, something they're really passionate about. So when it comes to sales, they do this, oh, no, I don't want to. It's uncomfortable. I can't. Yeah, well, if you do it the way they were doing it in the 80s, you're right. Right? right? Nobody wins, right? Yeah, <laughs> Exactly. But if I say to you, you don't have to do that. You Let's have your list of questions. Let, let's have your process. Just seek having a conversation with people. It's amazing. Anybody can do that. And that's what they say to me. Oh, I could do that. Okay, go ahead. Let's see what happens. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I'm starting to see, well, one, the pandemic's helped accelerate some of that that, that transition. But, yeah. you know, I think the role of the salesperson, you know, has, has changed. It's at least the ones I've seen. It's they're the facilitators and they're a subject matter expert, man. You have to yeah. know your customer's business and you can, they want, you have to have trust that you're, you can solve yeah. their problem. But yeah. two, it's about getting them through the process as quickly as possible, not selling them as quickly as possible, which is a right. hard thing right. for people to grasp, right? I, it is. It is. It's uh, amazing. Yeah. It's because it's a total mindset shift. You have to really, that light bulb has to go off, which is why, you know, one of the reasons I wrote the book, one of the reasons why the, the stuff in the back is downloadable from the website, you, you know, why I am grateful for the opportunity to talk to folks like you. That's a big shift for a lot of people. 
And again, one of the things I advocate with the B2B startups, right? There's no better time for you to start a business because some of these mid-market and legacy companies are not going to be able to, to pivot to align with their, their customers. And you know, I do think the one thing that I would say, yes, facilitation and something, you still have to be able to ask for the sale, which is uncomfortable. And not everybody has that in the DNA. As much as yeah. you provide the value, no matter yeah. how many times you do it, they're like, I don't want to ask for money. So you yeah. may not be in the right role. There's other things you could do to be that advocate for the customer, but at the end of the day. Right. You might have to hire a salesperson. Yeah. Right? Yeah, the role may change and how you define and where they pick it up in the process may be different. Because I think you had, sorry to keep quoting, Ali. It's okay. You right. had, what did you say? Sales, selling should be for discovery blowing butchering it because you had the difference between sales and marketing one was about discovery and one was about oh yeah so so marketing is about awareness and credibility and exposure and sales is about discovery sales is the conversation because a, a lot of people think if i just market effectively people will call me up they they will go to my website they will buy from me and and the truth is probably not not necessarily I mean, I've had people say, I've gone through the whole sales thing and then they've said to me, okay, but what can I say in my direct mail piece that will get people to call me? Like, right. I don't know because that's not, we got to, no, sales is an activity. You know, it's a verb. You have to actually do it. Marketing is a different animal and people do yeah. need to understand the difference. You need both, but they're different. Yeah. And bridge that gap. So the customer is mm -hmm. not going from stage one to stage four instantly. Right. You still want to get them there quickly. Yeah. And I, that's what I, I really like. And I hadn't thought about it from sales being discovery, but you are really trying to figure out, is this a right fit for our product solution? Is it a right fit for our, and to your earlier point, you know, founders typically like, they're going to write a check. Yeah. Let's yeah. Check. You know, have checks. <laughs> they're they're going to pay Venmo me for the services I'm going yeah. after them, but I really right. like that way of thinking about it from a sales is, Hey, discovery, like they're interested, they know about us. Let's make sure it's a good fit and we're going to provide them the right service. That's exactly right. And when you said before about dating, what I usually say is I just ask the question, would you, for, for those of you who are married, did you get married on your first date? And the answer is no, unless you're in Vegas, you might've, but typically, the answer is no. Like I knew I was going to marry my husband on our first date and we still dated for a year because you still have to get to know the client, the prospect. You still, there, there's, and I'm not saying that, that it's going to take a year to make a sale. That's not what I'm, right at all. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you still have to go through that discovery process. You owe it to your business, to your current clients, to your employees, to the prospect to go through the process of making sure this is a good fit. Not just on the level of does the product or service solve their problem, but are your values aligned? Values come back into it, you know? Yeah. Are they someone who you are going to be able to work with so that it is good for both of you? Yeah, I love that. I mean, I'll give you full credit, but I'm gonna use that discovery line <laughs> quite a bit because it makes so much sense because any, anything you're selling, to your point dating, you're gonna go, hey, on the surface looks good. You know, you're <laughs> the dating site, every the characteristics, things you like, it's a good fit, but until you actually interact and really figure out the values align, is it the right fit? So, right. no, that's okay. fantastic. Diane, I definitely want to be respectful of your time. So is there any other advice that you'd have for, you know, B2B founders as they're starting their journey or figuring out how to grow their business? 
I would say there's probably a couple of things. One is don't be afraid of what you don't know. Like embrace the things that you don't know and seek the answers because they're out there. There's either people who have the answers or there's webinars or books or, you know, people who had an experience that you haven't had yet that you're in the middle of that can, can share. So the leader's responsibility is not to have all the answers. It's to convene the resources to find the answers. So, so don't think you need to know everything. I would say, you know, that's probably one of my biggest. And the other one is to take a deep breath and really embrace curiosity really understand that if you are working with people who want to be working with you, uh, one thing I will say is when you go through this whole discovery process, asking for the sale ends up to be very easy because you're both walking down the same road. So you're not even really asking for the sale. You're just both agreeing that this makes sense to move forward to the next step. Just like dating, right? Yeah, just just yeah. like, oh, should we get married? Yeah, we should. Right. It, it's the same. So I, I'd, I'd sort of take a deep breath and let go of the I'm afraid to ask for money. Yeah. Because if, yeah. if you do discovery right, you won't have to. And it's awesome. And, and frankly, if you don't have the right product or solution that it's not fitting, you may have to go back to the drawing board. And that's why the early stages of the discovery is so important. So, yeah. Right. Awesome. All right. So I'm down to my last two questions. The first one is, you know, what's next for you here in the short term? I know the book's out. When's a hard copy coming out? The hard com copy is coming out December 1st. December 1st. So, and yeah, by the way, right. before you get there, that's my yeah. only bone to pick with you. I, I had the Kindle version and I like the hard copy because it might make my notes and highlights. So I'll still pick that one up. I'm going to mail it to you. Okay. I, I will mail you a copy of, of the hard copy because awesome. I totally get I'm a hard copy sort of gal too. So yeah, you know, publishers have their own weird way of doing things, and I had to go along. And, and they're a great publisher. I shouldn't say it that way because they've right. been really tremendous. But with the way everything happened, hard copy, uh, or not paperback, whatever it is, will be available December 1st. So, yeah, mm -hmm. we're just working on getting the word out and building energy around it and helping people make better decisions, but I think really creating that discovery list of, of questions that they want to ask is so up there that, you know, yeah. I, I just think it's critically important. And I think to the, the advice to the founders out there, as you start to bring on a team, instill that sense of discovery and curiosity within the folks. And if they don't have it, it may not be the, the right fit. I know we get super yeah. detailed about fit and, and you do want to have aligned values but you know certain roles require you know certain skill sets and i think a lot of the sales roles are outdated in the skill sets that they're looking for so this I is totally advice. agree yeah so, totally agree yeah are you starting to work on the next book yet or are you going to let this one digest for a bit <laughs> well i'm gonna let it digest but i will say that i actually do have another book in my head that the working title is that's not nice and it's about how kindness destroys business. And that's just from watching small business owners make decisions because they want to be nice yeah. and they're not decisions that are good for their business and therefore not nice. Yeah, yeah, that'll be it, really it, interesting. Yeah. So yeah. we can expect that, what, Q1 of next year? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> All this extra time we have, we're at traveling, right? Right, of course, yeah. No, yeah. probably end of next year but not less than five years though <laughs> it will be less than five years yeah 
because with everything that's been going on in the world, I'm feeling really compelled. See, this is what happens when I feel compelled yeah. to write whatever it is. And a leadership book is definitely on my it's it's in it's needed. And you're right. I think the world has always been changing fast, but it's really been rapidly changing. So yeah. you know, what we're talking about today in 18 months may be <laughs> outdated. But that's the beauty of your podcast, yeah, right? I... You keep everybody fresh with <laughs> right, new guests and new right. perspectives. So yeah. Awesome. All right. So last but not least, and I ask everybody this question, what is one thing that you would highly recommend? Okay. The one thing I would highly recommend is taking care of yourself no matter what else is going on. So no matter where you are in your business, no matter where you are in your life, no matter what is going on around you, take care of yourself. I mean, that means standing up because then oxygen goes to your brain, taking a walk, getting out of your office, clearing your head because a it's good for you as a human it's also really good for your business it gives you the opportunity to let go of all the stuff that's in your head so that you can think and that's really important yeah 100 percent agree it took me a long long time in my career to figure out you know to do that and to take the time and try to get outside and, and these other things especially with a home office where Oh, dark to dark. Well, that's a problem. <laughs> right? It's a problem. Right? <laughs> so exactly. now I will wholeheartedly endorse that one. So, and then last, you know, for the show notes, we'll include everything. What, you know, obviously I highly encourage you to check out the book. It's fantastic. The podcast, obviously I've already talked about that. Accelerate your business growth two Thank per you. week. It's really insightful. So if people still want to learn more, what's the best place for them to, to connect with you, Diane? Thank you so much, Brett. So if they go to helbigenterprises.com, they can sign up for a complimentary 30-minute phone consultation. I'm happy to talk to anybody about any business issue. Let's see if we can beat it up in 30 minutes and give you a way to go. They can sign up for my newsletter. They can learn more about you know what I do, and, and there's a contact form and all that. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely, like I said, have that all in the show notes and links to the book, all the good stuff. So Diane, thank you so much for joining us today. It was, it was definitely my pleasure and a thrill to have you on the podcast. Oh my gosh, Brett. Thank you. I so enjoyed being here with you. Awesome. Well, and you, when your book, next book's ready, we'll, we'll have you back on to kick that one. How's that sound? Okay, great. <laughs> right, thanks, <laughs> That's a have deal. a great rest of your day. Thanks, you too.